I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today I sit down with singer, songwriter, producer, Lapsley, and it's glorious. It's a, a really, really lovely natter. Some crossover. Turns out we're talking about um, former guests and bits and bobs. And yeah, she's working with... Have I put the Alex Metric episode out yet? I'm not sure. But uh, but yeah, there, there's, there's lots of crossover. So um, it made for such a lovely chat. And we'll get on with it shortly. But um, first of all, some thank yous. Thanks to you lot. Obviously you lot. Yous are the people that send me the nice messages and, and give us the likes, the loves, the shares, the retweets. And um, yeah, it just makes me doing this absolutely wonderful experience of chatting to all these bloody lovely people about music, which is a joy. And the fact that I then can upload it and other people listen to it and, and enjoy it, that's such a bonus. So the biggest love always is to you lot. Thanks. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Big love to uh, Mr. Scroobius Pip, uh, my, 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 my pod bro and owner of the Distraction Pieces Network, uh, which this podcast is very proud to be part of. Have you explored the Distraction Pieces Network? Go do it because there's some absolutely amazing podcasts on there. Go check out Scroobius Pip's Distraction Pieces if you haven't already. Where you been? God, you can hear him talking to literally the biggest people, the biggest stars in the world. Um and go check out Brett Goldstein's Films to be Buried with. Um, you know, it's been what a year it's been for Brett Goldstein. Um, you know, with, with Ted Lasso. Uh, and yeah, he's an absolute film buff and he's so adorable, he's Brett Goldstein. And yeah, you, the connection he forges with his guests is, is wonderful. So go check out uh, that podcast. There's stacks of our podcasts over on the network. Go explore them all because they're all ace. Um, Thanks to 76 for producing this podcast. And yeah, and, I, and also if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track, then welcome. Uh, when you finish listening to um, today's episode with Lapsley, then go check out the, the, the back catalogue. You can hear me talking to um, Foles. You can hear me talking to Idols, uh, Fatboy Slim, Foo Fighters, Motley Crue, uh, Sleaford Mods. Uh, yeah, oh God, that like... I always rattle off the same names because I don't know why. They're, they're just, every time I do these little intro outros, these ones are always at the forefront of my mind. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, there is bucket loads. There's 400 episodes with all your favourite, you know, musicians, comedians, 
DJs, producers, actors go get stuck in. If you'd uh, if you've exa- already exhausted them 400 episodes and you want more, then uh, you can also watch all the episodes. Uh, you can get access to all my radio shows, my little mixtapes, uh, and loads of other little exclusive bits and pieces over on my Patreon. And I know when people talk about Patreon, they're like, oh, God, he's after money. It's a dollar a month. So what's that, 70p a month? And more than anything, rather than all the other content you get, um, it's just, yeah, supporting the podcast, which means I can continue to to put out two episodes for free um, each week. Uh, so, yeah, if you'd like to support the podcast, I know times are tough and money's tight at the moment, but if you can spare a dollar a month or 70 pence uh, a month, it would be amazing. Uh, and you can find out about the Patreon, um, the back catalogue of everything else and everything you need to know about this podcast at Off The Beat and, not beaten, beatandtrackpodcast.com. Off The Beat and track podcast.com. Anyway, I know why you're here. This gives me great pleasure to say, please enjoy it off the beat and track podcast with the wonderful Lapsley. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the beat and track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. Okay, we're recording. How are you today? Yeah, really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty busy at the moment, so it's quite nice to take the morning to talk about music. What's, what's been happening? <laughs> well, I've handed the album in, um, which is exciting. So kind of in the process of working out how it's going to be released, choosing the singles. Yeah, really exciting time, to be fair. <laughs> oh, nice. Tell me about how you found the, 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 the kind of 18 months to two years of the world stopping turning in the way that it, you know, it had been turning. And, and tell me how that affected you. Well, tell me how it affected you personally and tell me how it affected you creatively. Yeah, it was, it was pretty tough. I was one of the unlucky ones where my second album came out the first week of lockdown. Oh, fuck. So, um, everyone kind of went into panic mode and ultimately I don't think I'm ever going to be able to tour that album because um, now we're moving on into the next. Sure. And all press was cancelled. I mean, we tried to do certain things with Zoom and, um, you know, small performances, but, you know, it's not the same energy as coming out organs blazing with an album. Um, so that was quite difficult. I think I hit like a crossroads and was like, 
either I'm going to wallow and let this affect me yeah. or pick myself up and I just continue. And to be fair, that was the moment when I decided that um, I wanted to start and pursue my interest in writing for the people. Yeah. Um, so that I wasn't overly consumed with the possibility of my career as an artist being taken away. Yeah. And now gradually, obviously, you know, the third album's finished and, um, everything's opening up and I'm sure I'll definitely get to tour this next album, yeah. but I've also got a career as a writer and um, running alongside it. So, um, that's something positive to have come out of it. And that definitely saved my mental health. Without being sort of too negative on it, but just touching on what you just said then about, you know, I wanted to start writing for other people just, you know, in case my career doesn't, you know, potentially go where you want it to go. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, we all hope it does. But do you feel that, because obviously the music industry is such a competitive industry, and do, do you feel that the pressure of like, got to keep my foot on the gas here because it could stop at any given point. Is, is that something that you think sort of young artists always feel in this current sort of climate of music? So, I mean, obviously you've touched yeah. on the fact that you, you then looked into, you know, spinning the other plate of, of, of writing for other people, you know, that, I mean, that's, that's a smart move, surely, you know, to, to have that in the back pocket, but you know, just talk to me about the pressure of being a, a, a young artist in, in, in today's climate. It's hard because I think there needs to be, um, you need like a good dose of drive and like a fire in your belly to keep going because it is very tough, especially if you're a young artist and you're signed to a major because um, there's lots of pressures coming from every angle. Um, so it's a balance between that and then also being true to what you want and what you need. And um, I think I was quite lucky in the sense that like, because I was with an independent label, I had a lot of freedom. And so I was equally pushing myself as much as they were pushing me. And it was all everything that I enjoyed. Um, but yeah, touching on the, the writing thing, that was always, writing was always the core of me. Whereas when I write for other artists, some of them, it's like performance is the core of them, or it's all to do with like, you know, it's very like multifaceted. Sure. Um, so I kind of felt like it was something I was going to eventually go into anyway. And this was yeah. just kind of a kick up the arse. <laughs> well, 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 we'll get back onto that in a moment, but let's start your playlist. And, and I'm going to ask you, please, for track one, to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro, please. Um, definitely The Less I Know, The Better by Tame and Parlour. Um, yeah. Have you ever seen the episode of... Alan Partridge, where he plays the invisible bass, uh, and he plays it in that sort of 80s style, like right up high, and he's just dancing around the caravan playing an invisible bass. I'm sure Tame Impala nicked that bass line from that. That's <laughs> so funny. It's, it's the most ridiculous thing. And I just, I played it again today, and, uh, and I was like, I'm telling you, that's that Partridge bass line. That's funny because I was playing the guitar the other day and I was like, down, 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 down. I was like, that's Phoenix Science. Yeah. Like, what? yeah. <laughs> they must watch a lot of comedy. Yeah. <laughs> but but in regards to, 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 to intros. Yeah. And uh and and be and being a young artist, uh I'm gonna say the thing that I say every single time on this podcast, which is the fact that I've never, ever, ever framed this question correctly. Um, but bear with me in a roundabout's where I'm going to get there. Um, when you're, and I want, I want 
make it even more difficult uh, for you because I want you to answer it as an independent artist for yourself and for as a songwriter for other artists. When you're writing, are there considerations to how people consume the music now insofar as, well, that bang goes straight in, it like grabs you straight away, that's going to get me on a Spotify playlist, that's going to, you know, that's going to work with an attention span of, of a younger audience that, who, you know, and I've gauged this on watching my, my children and their, their rapid thumbs just, just uh, whizzing through like whatever they get. Uh, and they want it quick, and and they don't want a lot of it unless it really holds their attention. So there's obviously the traditional singer-songwriter, uh, verse, chorus, middle eight, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's also the the, the the trends in music and the science behind them trends. I'm not when when I talk about them trends in in songwriting, in in pop, and things like that. I don't value that. I don't. I don't and I'm not trying to say that that's any less or more than some nine-minute shoegaze epic from My Bloody Valentine. There's there's a science to all of it. So in a roundabouts way, I hope you get where I'm going with this. Yeah, Can I, you... know, no, I know exactly what you're saying. Oh, wicked. Um, Does it filter yeah. into your, your yeah. creative process? Um, yes, and because I try not to let it affect the writing stage, but it definitely affects the production. Um, and obviously the writing and production kind of goes hand in hand as you move through the day. And, you know, usually these songs are initially written, you have the first demo written yeah. between 12 and 8 p.m. And obviously, I remember when I first started music, when I was like 16, um, it was like, yeah, it's like three to three and a half minutes on the radio, and now it's like two and a half minutes. Yeah. So um, if you're making, like, say if I'm writing for like a, like a proper, like, hardcore pop artist, like... As soon as we get to like two minutes, we're like, how can we wrap this up? Which is nuts. Yeah. Um, so there's a big pressure in that sense. I don't think that it's helpful to think about um, the like the production choices needed for like needed for a song to make sense commercially at the moment in the writing phase. I don't think it's helpful. Um, I try and write the entire song before I go back and make decisions as to like whether the intro should be like straight in or like whether we should have beats from the start or whether we need like, it's time for a middle eight. Um, it's obviously like, there's a formula that's very easy to go back to. Yeah. And obviously if you're trying to, if you're trying to slightly change the system to go against the formula is the way to go. But often, you know, if it's, if an A and R is listening to like a load of tunes, if yours stands out too much, then it's not going to get, um, listen to and take it up. So it's like this balance between wanting to push the boundaries and make really interesting original music whilst also trying to play the game of yeah. the gatekeepers and squidge yourself in and slowly change the direction, you know, almost like behind their backs. Um, so. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take you back for track two and I'm going to ask you please to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah, that was um, Blue by Joni Mitchell. Cool, yeah, that'd do it, wouldn't it? Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> my mum showed it me, actually, and I, I have a tattoo in San Francisco. I've got blue behind my ears, oh, like, like blue songs I like tattoos. I was 18, so classic. <laughs> Tell me about your, your kind of emotional attachment to that song. I think because the way that I write and also like the poetry and the books that I'm interested in is that it's like, uses like a lot of very like visual metaphors and um the opening line of like blue songs are like tattoos just hit me in a very specific way um about obviously like permanence and um it's something that I've kind of carried always carried through like blue as a color and as like this idea of like an emotion and a feeling and the attachment to water has been the center of a lot of my work um and uh, yeah (laughs) and to pinpoint the emotion you get when you hear that song what would you say that emotion is um it's quite melancholic it reminds me of my mum but it also reminds me of how intensely i felt emotions when i was a teenager when i first heard that song yeah um where, where was you as a teenager where was growing up like north liverpool um, in Southport, which is like a little seaside town. How was that? Nice place to grow up? Beautiful place to grow up. Very kind of like, um, it's very safe, you know. I, I, I was a bit of a, um, had like a bit of a double life. So I would sneak off into town as a teenager and go clubbing and help run club nights. So um, I think my parents thought I had a certain kind of upbringing and then... <laughs> realized later down the line that I actually had this like secondary life which had like a very heavy attachment to electronic music yeah and a bit of a rebellious streak why do you think why do you think you had that kind of desire to to rebel as a young as a young lady I think I was like a very creative person who didn't do anything creative I was like did a lot of like academic stuff a lot of sport and I think ultimately had never been given the space to breathe and whether that's like pain or 
um, write my own music and stuff like that and kind of like let my guard down a bit. So I, I guess when you're so busy doing other things, you create other more dangerous avenues to, to let off some steam and be creative. Yeah. Um, but now it's like, obviously something I do like seven days a week. Of course. Was, was it a musical household growing up? Um, not really. I guess like, cause my dad lived in Leeds for quite a bit. So a lot of time at the weekends revolved around like driving in the car to Leeds from like North Liverpool. And me and my dad would always listen to songs in the car and albums. And I guess me and him have like a big connection. Like, um, for example, like we always used to listen to Falls Together. We always used to listen to Joy Division. He was a teenager in the 80s. So it's like a hardcore Smiths fan. So he kind of gave me this like very specific kind of Northwest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Indie upbringing. <laughs> That's good though. I mean, yeah. I thought of being able to, do you know what? It's really weird. Like, um, I realize how old I am sometimes when, when guests talk about their parents and I was just thinking, God, it'd be really cool if like, my dad was like that. And I was just thinking, do you know what? I'm actually that dad to my kids. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm that, I am that age now. And it's like, Oh God. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I had, a, 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 I've, it's really weird. Cause I've never sort of tried to push my music on my kids. And, and at all, I just think, you know, find your, find your music your own way. And, you know, and if they need to rebel or whatever, then I'm sure that's going to, that's going to happen. But that, they listen to lots of electronic music and lots of, of the, the kind of R&B stuff that's floating about at the moment. But uh, the other day, my youngest went to me, uh, do you know what, Dad? I think, I think I like this charming man more than there is a light that never goes out mate that's so funny mate it destroyed me <laughs> I was just like oh it's all gonna be alright she's found the Smiths like at 16 she's found the Smiths perfect everything's gonna be alright yeah <laughs> oh like, dear there's a specific thing my dad was like I, I must have been like 18 and he was like when I was your age he was like he put well I wonder on on his vinyl player in in uni in Newcastle, like just at the exact same age, like when he was like going through a breakup. I think when he first like broke up with my mum or something before they got back together. And I was like going through a breakup at the same time, and there was just like these. I just felt a connection with him. Yeah. Um, like a very deep connection. That I was like, oh, you're actually really similar to me. <laughs> and all this time, I'd thought like, oh, my dad, like he's not cool or whatever. And actually, yeah, we, we do have that. Um, that bond <laughs> oh that's lovely that's so cool okay right let's stay in the formative years um tell me please the song that reminds you of your time at school um big falls fan um like early falls so i'm gonna say spanish sahara because i remember i went to my first festival at 16 which was leeds festival or was i 15 i think it was 15 and um falls were on the main stage and Spanish Sahara has this huge intro. Um, and um, the payoff when they eventually got into the slamming chorus yeah. was just like this euphoric feeling. And it was my first time being in front of such a big sound system. And um, around that time I'd started like making like a lot of like ambient electronic music. And it was, a, it was a proper like indie scene at the time. Lots of like, I guess, electronic was slowly going into the charts as well um so it feels like quite um 
yeah, that transition from the indie world to the electronic world. But I um, think at that point as well, there was lots of remixes, wasn't there? Like, all, like yeah, especially yeah. bands like Foz, like your Alex Metrics and people like that were remixing like so many of these kind of, you know, Sebastian and Ed Banger, all that stuff was remixing all the big indie bangers then as well. Like Foz had some absolutely yeah. cracking remixes. That's funny. I'm working with Alex Metric at the moment. Oh, really? Oh, <laughs> I, 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 this afternoon. He, he came on two weeks ago. Tell him I said hello. He was super oh, fun. <laughs> and I had foals on last week, so that's quite weird. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like, um, we'll talk about, tell me a little bit about school and, yeah. uh, and how you found, and how, well, I guess how you found it. Um, I loved school. I was um, a proper nerd and, captain of like school sports teams big thespian i guess i'm just like a massive extrovert so i love people so um did you always like attention i think so it's funny because now like it was almost like oh you got everything you wanted this is like the first album i'm there on a stage and it actually was the opposite and i had to take some time out because it was um i actually realized that um I'm only happy with the attention being on me if it's on my terms um, and I feel safe and in control. And I, I think I definitely didn't on the, on those first few tours when I got into the music industry and it was like, you know, lots of attention and pressure and I just didn't really know how to deal with it. Um, you felt that was sort of put upon you rather than by choice. Well, it's a mixture because you don't want to waste an opportunity, but at the same time it takes years to become a good performer and, like, my first show was, like, Glastonbury. Like, I was just expected to be the best new thing. And I obviously wasn't because it takes years to become a good performer and a good a good at talking to the crowd and feel comfortable in your own body. Even as, like, an 18-year-old compared to now as a 25-year-old, it's taken me years to look in the mirror and be yeah. like, you know what I mean? Because, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of pressures coming from all angles. So. <laughs> You mentioned that you didn't have a, uh, you know, part of maybe the, the, the drive to rebel was the fact that you didn't really have a, a creative outlet um, yeah. at, at that point. What sort of, tell me when, sort of, was music ever something that was happening at school? Was, was there options to be sort of creative at school? I think I knew, I think what it was is like, I remember going into music class in year seven and we had a section on composition and she gave me like a GCSE grade for composition. She was like, this is beyond like year seven. This is like, you know, and I was like, oh, maybe, maybe this is something I'm good at. Yeah. And um, I played a lot of instruments. Like I had piano lessons, drum lessons, guitar lessons. I also played the oboe. Um, but, no, but nothing was to do with like composition and creativity. It was very like rigged and controlled, like had to go to my lessons, then had to go to orchestra. Um, and eventually I just stopped, like stopped practicing, stopped doing the pieces and started transitioning to writing my own stuff. Cause I was like, Oh, stuff this. Like I hate being told what to do. I'm being told in every single aspect of my life, you know? And, uh, and I was a good student. So like I, I would never not do my homework and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think eventually I just cracked. And that was when I um, started making music, like, in sixth form. And um, I joined, like, an ambient drone band um, and started, like, producing and doing vocals for them. And this was all, like, on GarageBand. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, 
yeah, just set up my own SoundCloud and put up the first EP that I made, all in GarageBand. So at, at school, was music something that, was there a backup plan as a, as a career or was it always like, I want to do something within, within music? I don't think I ever saw a career in music. I never saw, um, I didn't necessarily see myself as like a pop singer. Um, why, why do you think that was? Because I think I was quite insecure. I didn't think I looked like the other girls. I think, I think I'd put this pressure that you had to look a certain way and act a certain way. And I was like, as much as I was like popular, I was still like a big nerd and quite, um, just, yeah, just a bit goofy, you know? Um, and a bit of a tomboy. Um, I mean, now like I look at people like, um, obviously like Wolf Alice and Let's Eat Grandma and I see the kind of girls in Robin and like, that's exactly what I want to be. But like at the time it was like, I thought Florence and the Machine was like some angel goddess. And I was like, you know, the only examples and I didn't have a big enough soul voice to be someone like Adele. And then ultimately I found my passion um, in like producing initially. So like I got deep into like ambient electronic music and then kind of came out of that. And now I don't really produce for other people. I co-produce for my own work, but like writing is the center of it. And I've almost gone like more pop. Sure. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to ask you now to tell me the first song you're buying from a record shop, please. Well, yeah, because I put, I put the first vinyl and the first CD because they were quite like, specific moments yeah yeah the first vinyl was xx by the xx and i think that was a bit later because i got a vinyl player a bit after i think i must have been 13 14 um that was a big moment i thought that was such a beautiful piece of work it's funny because i then went on to make my first record with roddy mcdonald who produced that album in the same room that they made that record so that was a bit surreal um but that was the perfect example of like I guess like a like minimalism, mm. um, like pop writing, like and like a minimal aesthetic. I say aesthetic; it's all obviously audio. <laughs> um, I thought it was beautiful from start to finish. It's like a concept record. That's wonderful. And I still go back to it. It was very special and almost like naive in its creation. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so beautiful because it's like an untouched band, you know? Yeah. Um, in their late teens, early twenties. Um, and then the first CD that I bought was Made of Bricks by Kate Nash, which then resulted in the first gig I ever went to, which was the Made of Bricks tour in Manchester. And I was 13 and both my parents took me. How was that? Um, it was overwhelming. It was, I thought she was so punk. I thought she was so cool. Um, I think, yeah, maybe that was an example of someone who I'm like, like I looked up to as as, as, um, an artist at that time. But then, you know, everyone around me was like, I guess when you're an academic, it's like, oh, you need to be a doctor or like you need to do something, something else. So no one would ever throw like a creative job in the ring. Um, What about your folks? What were they suggesting you do? Were they, were they um, the academic route or were they, you know? Yeah. 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 This is why it's quite hard because it wasn't until like, there was record deals on the table, really, that I decided not to go to uni. And, wow, yeah. it got to that point. Yeah, because I'd worked my entire life to go mm. to like a top uni and study, and I really valued that because it 
and it's funny because I've actually just done a year of university. Yeah. Um, like now I know that that actually goes alongside creativity. It's not something that I have to choose. Sure. It's something, you know, being tested intellectually and testing creativity creates like a happy holly. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, making decisions like that and, and, and and like you say, your first show being at uh, at Glastonbury and, and and recording your first record, you know, with the producer in the studio, the XX had made their 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 debut record. Like, tell me about confidence. Yeah, <laughs> it's something that's now real, but before I used to fake it. I just I felt I mean they talk about especially a lot of women having like imposter syndrome but I think just any new artist on the scene who gets hyped Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. It takes years to understand who you are as an artist, and you need the space. Luckily, I've had the space to work it out, and I'm still here three records in and multiple EPs in. Um, but it's hard. It's, it's hard work putting on a, on a face when you don't know if this is your, you know, you know that you could get dropped after, after the album, but at the same time, you couldn't have done any better, but at the same time, you don't know if that's your sound because you've not written enough to, to work it out. It's, um, it's a very confusing time. But you can only do your best, right? Exactly, which is why I don't go back and like beat myself up. And I don't think any artist should look at previous work and be like, oh, could have done this differently. Because you do do the best you can at the time. But do you think imposter syndrome ever goes away? I think there's like a healthy dose of it. Yeah. I definitely had like a, an unhealthy balance when I was younger. Whereas now I kind of, there's an element of like fake it till you make it, of like self belief. You know, it's like, I might not be there, but I believe that I will be there. And that yeah. kind of drives everything. Okay. Let's, uh, let's take your club in. Tell me uh, <laughs> a song that soundtrack your years in club in, in club land, please. Club land. Um, this, this is funny. Cause there's actually a video of me somewhere um, on someone's shoulders, but I remember Joy Orbison and Bodico were DJing at, um, I think it was wax. There, were, there was all these amazing club nights um, that were put on in Liverpool in like off Greenland Street. And it's funny because now half of them are like flats and stuff. And Bodica and Joy Orbison were doing the New Year's, like the New Year's Eve slot. And at midnight they dropped Mercy VIP. And it was, 
the most, especially as like a young raver, I guess, just like life changing moment. And it's such a minimal track. And I've always tended to go for either like ambient or quite like minimal techno nights, especially at that time when I was like pretty hardcore into it and um, wanted to impress everyone. So yeah, that just summed up the best night of life. It's a cracker of a tune as well. Yeah. Just touching on confidence, um, I want to sort of spin it a little bit and and look at the sort of flip side of of that. Tell me about you and your relationship with a word that that's popped up a few times already on on uh, this episode. Drive. My relationship with drive. Um, I think I wake up every day, right, and often because I. Cause I I, I do struggle with my mental health a lot, as do a lot of creative people and just a lot of people. And, like, I know that a hard day's work in the studio, I always feel better in the end. Um, so there's, like, the short-term drive, which is, like, getting myself through the day. And then there's, like, the long-term goals, which I've re- I've had praise for the first time in my life in the past few years. And I've realized that I also need that off my team in order to, not in a way that's like, I, I, I get my entire, you know, I base myself on, on their praise, but them telling me that like, this has potential or um, this is your best song yet, or this is, this is something like you're on the right path, you know, has really completely changed my mindset. Um, and I think I had been starved of that for quite a few, few years. What, in- in- encouragement? Yeah, I think it's very easy with young artists to give, like, tough love because people assume that it's, like, the me show all the time. Yeah. But I think often they just need <laughs> someone who they trust to just say that, hey, look, you're doing your best and it's pretty decent. Yeah. Like, um, and, you know, I... I I have a completely new team now. I'm with, yeah. a, with new publishing. I have a new label and we always check in and we talk about the strengths and weaknesses of like the campaign and, and the songs and we're very open about it. But yeah, get, you, always give out praise where, where do you think? And you were talking about that and, and I imagine that's referring to the, 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 the sort of latter part of your, your answer, which was like the, the, the more long-term um, sort of goals and, 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 and maintaining you know a, a good sense of well-being but you also mentioned that you've got like just to, to get through the day talk me about talk to me about kind of how you sort of manage your, your headspace you know getting through the day what what's a, an average day to kind of sort of keep you balanced and where you want to be um i need a lot of sleep so i'll sleep into like eight or nine and then i'll go for a about an hour's walk um, just on the marshes, which is, I live in Upper Clapton, um, so I'm right by the ha- like the Hackney Marshes with my dog. And then, so you I have quite a music. Do you constantly, constantly. When you're walking? <laughs> yeah, always. Yeah. Oh, I never stop listening. I have to make a decision whether I'm going to like listen to the new music Friday for that week to try and keep an eye on what's coming out or I'll pick one of my favorite albums and just smash that. Yeah. Um, or if I'm on the marshes, I'm usually listening to like Bibio or something quite like yeah. mystical, you know? Um, Cause it makes me feel like I'm in like middle earth or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So always have an easy morning um, make myself a really nice pack lunch. And then it's game on in the studio. Like I usually work from like, 
I try and work between 12 and six and I work very fast, and very intensely. And I guess like anyone who's worked with me or had a session with me knows what I mean by that. But like I literally come in and the song's written in the hour. It's like my, my attention span is very short. I have to work very intensely for short periods of time. Um, and then, yeah, I'll come back another day and finish the production often, but yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. I can't sit down in the studio. I have so much energy. I'm going to take you home for track six. And I'm going to ask you to tell me uh, a favourite song from an artist from your home county, please. Oh, I love Clean Cut Kids. I love, like, the hometown bands. Um, oh, the North produces some epic bands, indie bands. I also like how we're slowly moving back into the indie scene. You can tell that I'm, like, still reminiscing, like the end of the noise and the start of the teams <laughs> with the indie teams. But um, I just think Emily is a fantastic song by Clean Cook Kid. Yeah. It's got a great hook. I love that indie pop crossover and that whole, um, the Clean Cook Kid crew have just been so nice to me since the start. I think everyone like from the hometown, like we've always like kept in touch and stuff. So I'm excited to at some point play the festival, like on the same lineup so we can have some beers. <laughs> in, in regards to sort of, um, artists from from your home sort of county and things like that. Would you say there's there's a a, a sort of healthy? I'm, I'm just looking back and from from my perspective of when I was doing bands and stuff like that way back. There was you know lots of bands coming from the area that I was from, and and we was all sort of doing all right and breaking through, and so on, so we're signing little deals and stuff and. And it was great that we felt there was a little scene growing and we were all mates doing this together. But there was also an element of competitiveness. Like, did you ever feel that? Whether it be you yeah. or did you ever feel that being, you as being Not judged for that? Liverpool's a very proud city. Yeah. Everyone supports each other. The problem I had was when I, in that summer when I was 17, I moved to London and um I did feel like it took it a long time for them to almost like welcome me back to the city. Um, and the thing is, there is like a, there's often like a limit to opportunity in outside of London. And it's a shame that it's, you know, it's a very London centric um, business, like business, <laughs> but it is. And I didn't want to waste this opportunity. So I just did everything I can. And I felt quite sad that I felt like my home city was penalizing me for it. Almost a bit like, Oh, so you think we're not good enough? And it's like, no. And it's a very, I think, I think quite a few artists who are from there who have left have said that that like, they've, it's they've made them feel like that. Often, a lot of journalists, and when you come back, there's always like a sarcastic little comment. But it seems to have gone full circle. And now I've come back and I've um, curated some lineups at like Sound City, and um, I played a show there for Liverpool against racism, and I'm slowly getting back in with almost like a new. It's like a new crew who are running the city and yeah. um, and it feels a lot more welcoming and yeah. And I want to Im- improve the relationships between London and Liverpool. That's, that's my goal. It yeah. was, it was why I set out to do this podcast. It, it, you know, the, the, the name off the beaten track, it was, was initially when I set it up was to talk about that, that pressure from wherever you are to in, in, in the music industry to go to London. And it's like, it feels like you have to kind of go to London to, to make it happen. And it purely come about from a conversation I'm 
my friend who lives just up the road a, a musician called well, a former musician called Scroobius Pip and and I like he'd say to me all the time like, the amount of people that are just when you move into London and he's like I don't want to move to fucking London <laughs> like I'm alright in Essex it's very expensive like, and, and yeah and it's like well, yeah. how, how can you do that and it was and it was so weird because at the time that Pip was coming through there was lots of bands from my, my you know from, from my county like Get Cape Where Cape Fly and the Horrors and they were all a lot of them were relocating to London, yeah. Uh, and and I just was was always intrigued as to why Pip was like, well, no, I I, I don't want to. Like, um, I, I can quite happily jump on a train for an hour. It's no it's no great shakes. And and yeah, and that was that was something. And, and then hearing you say that that you know that that, that you, you you go to to London to try and develop your career to a, you know a, a, another level, and and you almost kind of get judged on it a little bit by your hometown and and i find that really strange um and 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 a a bit fickle and but i guess that was all all the reasons why i initially sort of had this for the concept of the podcast because ultimately if you know you want to pursue a career in in anything you, you you will always gravitate towards where the opportunity is and and i don't think that means that you have any less love for where you're from and yeah i just I find it really strange that that, that you, you do your best do you know what i mean of course and <laughs> you do your best in one of the most fucking yeah. difficult industries there is yeah. do you know what i mean it's stacked against you from the off like seek you know seek out them opportunities and if that means you've got to jump on a train uh and, and move like three hours down the road you know, you're not turning your back on, on, on home. Do you know what I mean? You're just trying to, you know, do the best that you can with the time that you've got to do yeah. the things you want to do. Uh, yeah, crazy, crazy, crazy. Anyway, um, we talked about trends and, and, and the way that people get their music and such at the beginning of this podcast. Yeah. And, uh, and and this old man's going to throw a bit of terminology that my kids would shudder at um, now if I was to say it. But I'm going to let you be an influencer uh, for for this one, and uh, and tell me a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear, please. Oh, this amazing band called Chartreuse that I actually saw a few months ago at Omira, um, and it's don't know, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a cross between like indie alternative, but also like a bit of math rock. But then it could be like a bit of explosions in the sky. Just there's almost like a post punk vibe um but just a beautiful band beautiful music so well produced and an epic live show and um every song is like super long and tells an entire story i love it it's like goes completely against the grain um so i'm gonna choose keep checking up on me by chartreuse but that whole ep is worth a listen how did you discover them honestly um trying to work out it might have been at the bottom of new music friday like yeah. A year ago, I literally I go all the way to the bottom because I, I I like how they give like you know the little indie labels like a tiny little space at the end because I'm trying to find like new artists that I'm like oh I want to work with you I'm, yeah like, um and I was just instantly drawn I think that was the lead single on the EP yeah um and then I played them on my radio show um I have like a monthly radio show in Liverpool um that I've had for years that I just there's a section that I just save for like new music that no one's heard (laughs) or that are like up and coming. And I've just been raving about them since. Wonderful. Well, 
we're uh, we're steaming into uh, 2022. We're we're nearly at the halfway mark now. So, looking ahead, um, tell me what you're looking forward to from the rest of this year, personally, and tell me what's going to be happening professionally. Oh, I'm so I'm so excited. I'm in such a great place. After all of this, we're here, and I've handed my album in. Um, it's going to be released um, with a distribution company, so I have like way more control. Um, I'm just really excited like about the visuals, the whole campaign, but mainly just like the story of the entire record. I think it's my best work yet. So I'm intrigued to see like how the fans like connect with it and maybe see if there's some you know new fans that can come as a result of it. But um, yeah, I guess this year I'll be I'll be playing live again. So it feels like I've got my job back, you know. Wonderful. Wonderful. Um, and if people want to keep up to speed with everything that you're up to, where's the best place to follow you? Probably Instagram, um, at Lapsley with four Ys, I think. Um, but yeah, obviously follow me on Spotify because there's going to be a lot of new music coming out. Wonderful. Well, if you're happy for me to take you in this when this episode comes out, those that haven't discovered you yet can go find you and get stuck into your music. Um, we also put together a Spotify playlist of all of your song picks today and we obviously throw some of your tunes on there as well so people can go and explore all the records that we've spoken about today. It's been an absolute joy talking records yeah. with you. Thank you so much for your time today and yeah, can't wait to hear the new record and, and, and come and see you live soon. Thanks loads, mate. Thanks so much. There you go. Ah, oh, wonderful, 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 wonderful. It was uh, a nice early morning recording, and what a perfect way to start the day. Um, lovely chat. Um, love the fact that I love the fact that you know you get up in the morning, you know, and the bit that I really liked about her day uh, was after the nice walk along the marshes with the dog, get a bit zen. I loved the fact that it was like make a nice packed lunch. That shit matters. <laughs> I just thought that was so cool. And, uh, yeah, go and uh, make a nice packed lunch and then go and uh, spend the day creating stuff in the studio. Oh, wonderful, 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 wonderful. Um, thanks ever so much for listening. Um, thanks again to Lapsley. And, yeah, and thanks to you lot for for just supporting this podcast. As mentioned at the beginning, everything you need to know about the podcast, whether it be Patreon, back catalogue, anything else you need to know, your one-stop shop is the website. Um, And you can find links to all the socials over there. We're on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Give us a follow. Um, All that stuff helps. Subscribe to the podcast. That'd be great. If you listen uh, on Acast or if you've been listening on Acast, then uh, I should point out that the Acast app is no more um, for for listening. Um, So, yeah, go subscribe on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any other platform you may get your pods on. Have a lovely week. I'm back next time. Much love. See you soon. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. You've made stew with him. Hey,